Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fire and Forte. Today, I am joined by Sarah Adenall, who had a really action-packed year when she turned 40. So there's a bit of an immense list here. She passed her law degree. She got married. She went through two rounds of IVF. She also bought a house and also got a puppy. Now, that was the five things I had to remember. Is that right? I can't have missed anything off, could I? I got a new job as well. And you got a new job. We're all about not being superheroes on Fire and Forte, but that is absolutely incredible. So it's really interesting to know that obviously you've already got a daughter. You already had a degree. You've obviously had relationships before, but it was around the 40s that you decided to get another degree, that you did get married and in the end have successful IVF. So did you ever think that your 40s were going to turn out the way that they did? And what's the journey that got you to that place? Yeah, well, no, I didn't. I think when you're younger, the 40s seem so far away, doesn't it? It's like a distant future and you think you'll be retired by 40 or something. And then obviously it creeps up and you realise that you're actually really young um, and still got loads of stuff to do. So I think the law degree, I think I got a bit stale um, with work and I just wanted a bit of a challenge. So that was like a two year thing that I started, um, which culminated just at the same time as everything else so um no it wasn't really the plan for it all to happen at once but I think it was quite good that everything did it was a really busy year I don't think I'll ever 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 have a year like that again but I think it was good to get it all at the same time really I mean I tell you what it's almost like you're the poster woman for it's never too late so if we rewind a little bit and just look at kind of what got you to just before that moment so you've already got a daughter when did you have your daughter honey yeah I've got honey she's um 17 she's 18 this year and I had her when I was 24 um which obviously at the time in your early 20s you think you're really grown up don't you but now I know I was actually very young to have a child and a bit of a child myself and yeah I was the first one out of my group of friends to have a child and I don't think I'd ever really even held a baby and then suddenly I had this baby so yeah did it quite young in the scheme of things I think. So it must be amazing to have a teenager now but what was then the process to then decide to have a second child given that by the time you'd met your partner um, and that you decided like shall we have a baby or not I think once I'd had honey I decided I'd never ever have another child I was quite happy with what I'd got and I made that decision Um, and obviously I've had boyfriends in the past and I've always said no more kids and I think you know that has been the reason why some of them have maybe ended Um, and then I met Pete he is seven years younger than me he's a bit of a toy boy and I think I don't know he's maybe the first person that I really fell in love with and I think when you really fall in love with someone you kind of want to have part of them you know and I wanted a baby and obviously him being very young he wanted a baby at some point as well because of my age it rushed the decision a little bit further forward um like I think it was like I was 38 when we had the discussion um and he was like I don't know 32 or something and he said that he'd have liked to have waited a few more years but I didn't really have that luxury so when we started trying I was already like 38 which in is quite late to start trying I think. So you actually started trying at 38 and then you gave it a bit of a pause when I suppose things mustn't have been working then you decided to go for IVF. Was there ever a moment where you thought maybe that is a bit too much money? Well, it's funny because I never thought maybe that's too much money. Whereas if you ask Pete, 
it was a bit of a battle with him. The whole IBF thing was a bit of a battle for him. But I think it's it was mainly because I think for a man, especially, it's quite hard to admit maybe there is a problem. So I was saying, I think we need to, you know, go to the doctors and get the ball rolling um, with IBF. And he just said, oh, no, let's just see what happens. And it was me that really had to push him into it because obviously we had to go and have tests and he had to go and have tests. Um, and then I remember um, I contacted loads of different like clinics and different IBF people and got loads of different prices. And I remember we were Christmas shopping and we were in like boots or something. And I got a call to tell me the how much it was. And I said, oh, it's going to be, you know, 10,000. And then plus for the medication, he just went, no, we're not doing it. No, we can't afford it. We're not wasting that much money on IBF and blah, blah, blah. We had like a massive argument about it in the middle of boots, like just before Christmas. But now we laugh at that because like now we've got Toby, we say, God, we'd spend 10 times that. So it's funny, isn't it, how it all works out in the end that money doesn't actually mean anything when you get the baby at the end of it. Is the risk, I suppose, is actually spending that much money and not knowing if it's going to work or not. So I think there's so many people, and I know many people I've been reading about, women especially, who are doing it on their own and mm. maybe paying for it out of their own pocket. Do you think you ever would have done that? Or is that with the benefit of hindsight, only if it had worked? I think for me, I really relied on Pete throughout the whole process, but also financially, I really relied on Pete. To, you know, we both did put money towards that, but I don't think I would go through that on my own. Although I do know people that have, and I think they're amazing, like super women for going through it on, on their own. But I don't think I would have, because I, I already had honey, I think I would have just said, right, I'll stick with what I've got. Yeah, absolutely. I always think about the person bringing you supplies. If you're yeah. feeling ill, if your hormones are all over the place and you just need some food and supplies, like who's there to kind of look after you. But instead, that is a reality that a lot of women are doing now. If we look back, we've got two cases of IBF and in the end it was successful. And Toby is going to be one soon. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, one on the 27th of January, so only a couple of weeks. My maternity leave is over, I'm back at work, and he's like not a baby anymore, he's just starting to walk, and I don't know, it just goes so fast, doesn't it? I can't believe that Like now we're talking about IVF and I'm thinking about going through it and, and what it was like, and now I've got a one-year-old, it's just like in the flash of, of an eye, it's just gone. Especially Amazing. when at the moment, in the moment, doing the IVF was such a big thing and such a... Yeah, it's never-ending IVF. And to be honest, we were really lucky because our second round worked and we were able to do the second round quite soon after the first round. So I think all in all, our IVF was only like, I don't know, five months. But I've got friends and they, they took them years, two or three years and like several rounds of IVF. And, you know, that is just like a grueling thing to go through. I mean, two rounds. It was one one full round, and then I had a frozen embryo. Um, so you don't have to go through the full procedure for the second one. It's slightly different. So I think I was quite lucky that obviously mine worked quite quite early on. I didn't have to go through more and more and more. So true. However, I would like you to go through a bit of a quick science lesson with us about what yeah. is involved. <laughs> what is involved in going through IVF? If people are thinking yeah. about it. Well, to be honest, you know what? It's not as bad as you think it's going to be maybe it's easy for me to say that now because it was a year ago and maybe I've blocked some of it out but I still think you know as women we have to go through like smears and we have to go through things like that and you know it's kind of just part of being a woman I think to have medical procedures and everything so with IVF you've got to have quite a lot of injections which are all hormones and that starts your follicles all working so that you can produce more eggs so you have to go in for regular scans so that they can scan to see how many follicles you've got and how many have got ripe eggs in them. 
So you keep taking all these injections and then on a certain day you take another injection and it releases all your eggs at once. And then you go in 24 hours exactly after that. And you have a procedure where they, they go up and they go through the side of you into your ovaries and they suck out eggs as many as they can get. And then after that, um, obviously, then your your partner is doing his thing, which is a lot better than what the women have got to do, to be honest. Um, and then they fertilize the eggs and you hopefully end up with some embryos. And then they grow these embryos for a certain amount of time, a certain amount of days. And the ones that are like mature and they turn into blastocysts, which are like, you know, like a healthy embryo. And then they put that back inside you and then you have to keep taking um, hormones and different things. And then hopefully it works. Um, I think obviously it's quite grueling, like physically, you've got to go through quite a lot. Like the procedure where they take your eggs out is quite uncomfortable. And afterwards, I was in quite a lot of pain. But the worst thing is just the waiting. There's so much waiting. It's painful having to wait. You've got to wait to see how many eggs you've got. And you've got to call up in the morning. And with me, they're like, oh, we got nine eggs. And we're like, yay, nine eggs. And then you've got to wait a few more days and ring up. And then they're like, oh, seven have fertilized. And you're like, God, we're down to seven. And then you ring up every day. And then they tell you, oh, we're down to six, five, four. And we ended up with two. So we got, we had two blastocysts out of nine eggs, but luckily they were both great ones. So they could put them both back in on separate occasions. So we were really lucky, but it is painful, the waiting and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I was like a nervous wreck for the whole of those few weeks. And then obviously once you have your embryo put back in, you have the dreaded two week wait. And that's where you wait to then do a pregnancy test. And that is just like the worst way that anyone who's done IVF knows the two week wait. And it's just a dreaded time. It's horrible. Like Uh, all that you could do is keep so busy. And then at that point, how are you feeling in your body? Have you still got hormones that have impacted your health? You still have to keep taking loads of different hormones and you've got to take big pessaries like this. I had to put my bum. So like every single day and injections and tablets. So it's just a hormone like party going on inside your body. So you are a little bit like manic anyway. And then obviously you're waiting to find out whether it's worked or not. So yeah, I think keeping busy was the best thing because otherwise you literally just sit and wait. And I know I've had friends and they've taken that two weeks off work and they've just sat and waited And it's just painful, just like every second is longer than a second while you're waiting in that two week time. So yeah, keeping busy is probably the best advice. And were you quite surprised by how strong you were to go through all of that? The injections were quite bad as well. I was bruised all over my stomach because you do get bruises as well. I think I'm quite hard. That's what that proved to me. Just in general, like to just keep going, I think with normal life, you know, I was doing a law degree at the same time. So I was writing um, essays. I had exams. And I also, stupidly, was planning my wedding. So our second round of IVF was in May and we got married in June. So I was seven weeks pregnant when we got married. So I was planning our wedding throughout IVF as well. And it was COVID. So we had to move the wedding because we weren't allowed the numbers that we wanted. So (laughs) there was quite a lot going on. I think I was mega stressed, actually. And if you ask Pete, he'll probably say I was quite horrible, although I don't think I was. I should maybe reveal as well that we do know each other quite well. And yeah. I do think that something that's really significant is that you did think that the second round of IVF, look, it's probably not going to work. I remember you sending me a voice note saying, right, we've got this timeline. We either do it after, but then it's going to be during my honeymoon. 
or it was going to impact your honeymoon or we do it during the wedding if it works that means I'd be pregnant at the wedding but it's not going to work yeah I didn't think it'd work I think I've got friends that have denied IVF, and I think that in general the first two didn't work and it was the third that worked and I kind of thought, just get the first two out of the way, you know, then my body will be ready for it and then then it'll work. So I didn't think the second round would work. Also, I really didn't think it would work because when you have your embryo put back inside you and it's like this magical procedure and you see it on a screen and this like magical little thing gets put in your womb. And then a few years ago, you used to have to lay there for like an hour or two just to make sure that it bedded in well because you need that little embryo to grip on and not let go. So that now they've changed that and they just go, see ya. So you like walk out. So I was tentatively like walking out thinking, God, I've got this miracle inside me. Don't drop out. And I opened the car door and we just got a puppy and it ran off like down the grass. So I started running off after the dog and I picked him up and came back and Pete was like, I don't think you should have done that. And I was like, oh my God. So I was like, well, that's it. It's not worked. It won't work. But he did. He clung on in there for dear life. I actually thought you were going to say, so I decided to sit uh, with my legs up in the air on the way home because I was that determined that this, you know, 15 grand or whatever I've spent is going yeah. to. Now, obviously, lots of people are looking at IVF. So that's going to be so helpful, I think, as people like really think about, you know, whether they want to go ahead with it money wise, the strain that involves on your health. One last question about the IVF is on your relationship. Um, yeah. You've been with Pete how many years by the time you went through IVF? About four years, I think, by the time we started IVF. And is there any advice or insights that you found from going through something so invasive, like you said, and also incredibly stressful together? Yeah, I mean, it does obviously change your relationship. When you're going through injections and all that stuff, you can't really get physical you know what I mean? For quite months, really. And then obviously, if it works, and it did work, then you don't want to do anything like that for a few more months anyway. So obviously, it does kind of change your relationship. And another thing is, I mean, the hormones did make me quite cross. You can see that from my wedding day, because we got married on the 26th of June, and you have to keep taking all the injections and hormones and big pessaries. So like every day I was like this. And like the morning of my wedding, I was furious. And like they came to do my hair and makeup and I was like, I'm so cross. And they were like, oh, God, all right. And the whole day I was just really cross. So like <laughs> On the happiest day, day of ever. your life. <laughs> yeah, everyone had the best day ever. And I was just like, you know, really raggy and then had to go to bed early because I was so tired. So I think obviously the hormones do make you a little bit, you know, and so that will put a bit of a strain on any relationship, I think. A sense of humour, I'm imagining. I mean, I guess yeah. a guy has got to know when to leave you alone. You do know, Pete, and he has a good sense of humour, to say the least. So, yeah, I mean, we got through it. And when I think back, I don't think it was that bad. <laughs> I think I do think if you ask him, he'll say something slightly different. When we got married, I nearly divorced him because he went and bought a motorbike behind my back. And he says that at that stage, I was completely mental. Um, I think I'd have been like that whether I, I was pregnant on hormones or, or not, to be honest. But we'll, we'll, I always go, yeah, I was. Yeah, it was the hormones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was absolutely terrible. Thank you for supporting me through it. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're now a mum in your 40s. Is it more tiring or is it better? Do you know what? It's amazing. Honestly, it's completely different to doing it in my 20s. It's not more tiring at all. I'm enjoying it. Like, I've literally enjoyed every single second of it. I think in my 20s, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't really have the confidence. I also, in a way, felt like I was missing out. Like a lot of my friends had gone traveling and they were going out quite a lot. Whereas now, no one does anything anyway from where I am. We've all just got kids. 
I feel a lot more settled and a lot more like this is what I want to be doing at this time. So now it's great. I lo- absolutely love being a mum. I'm 41 now. And I, I love being a, a mum. I love having a baby. And what's it like in the, well, it's not a school playground, is it? What are you finding that the ages of the mums that you meet are? Are you old in the group of mums or do you think they've all got a bit older? Yeah, I think, I, well, I don't know. I remember being young in a group of mums when I had Hunter. Like I was always like so young and I didn't make any mum friends because they all seemed so old, but they were probably only like 30. Um, but yeah, I mean, now I, the people I see really are about my age, but um, you know, obviously I look quite young for 41, so maybe I can just get away with it. I'm actually 35, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're 40. You've been thriving. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are, are you noticing like later 40s then? Because I was reading an article earlier that was saying pe- some people are having IVF at 43 and 44. And yeah. I thought, wow, is that actually what some people are doing? I think in the UK, I don't think you're allowed it at that age. So you have to go abroad to have it. I think it's after 42 in the UK and um, they wouldn't do it. And um, just because the quality of your eggs significantly drops, whereas abroad, they put in a lot more eggs and they give you a lot more drugs. And so they have a lot more success rates. But in the UK, it's quite heavily uh, there's a lot of rules that they've got to stick by. But yeah, I mean, I know someone who had a baby at 48 um and like he's now like nine or something so you know anything's possible really isn't it yeah that's amazing I think there's so many things that I think about if I was to become a mum and it's things like you're stuck in your ways so a few things that would come up for me is I'm stuck in my ways I've got a certain routine uh money you spend it on you you spend on you and your you know you guys buying cars going you know on holiday Uh, And also that socialising element. Has there been any impact on the way that you live that you kind of miss? Or, you know, did it really disrupt things in a way that you weren't expecting? It obviously does change, um, obviously. But like where the life I have now, all my friends have kids anyway and have babies. We don't go out like we used to anyway. And when we do go out, it's like to soft play. And so I was going without my child because she was 16 and just like going along to like all these events at soft play and just watching them. Whereas now I can actually get involved. So um, that side of it, I don't think it, it, that's better for me. Financially, I mean, obviously babies are quite expensive but I don't I don't know you get a lot of help from people we get a lot of hand-me-downs we you know secondhand stuff is great and so we haven't really noticed a massive massive like financial impact I don't think (laughs) um in terms of like representing all women if you could have it any way if you could wave a magic wand and say what would make it so much better for all women in the best interests of your employer your child um yourself because you know you're you're wearing quite a few hats there is there a way that you think it would work a lot better well I think that I've been lucky because I'm a civil servant I don't know whether that makes me lucky or not but we have really good like maternity leave so you can take up to a year and obviously some of that is unpaid but you can still take up to a year whereas I know a lot of people don't get that at all and in America you have to take your leave and that is all you get for your mat leave so you go back when your baby's like two or three months old and I just think that like like I've said before, when they're young, that time is so precious that if there could be like in some countries like Sweden or Finland, I think they have like up to two years maternity leave. And I just think that like a set package or a set amount of time that's funded by the government or by your employer, it's just such an important time that I think that, you know, the government maybe needs to look more at maternity leave as a package, I think. 
it's not as far as Norway and I think Sweden, like you said, which is, yeah. I think both actually mothers and fathers get parental yeah. leave, don't and they? And they can share it as well, I think. But it's like, I think it's up to two years, like fully paid, which is amazing. So maybe getting some moves in that direction, but ultimately flexibility would be amazing to make it easier yeah. for mums. What about Pete? If you had some maternity leave and you're in that situation where you could share it and him look after Toby at home, what would you guys yeah. think? So I think he does like that time on his own with him, but God knows if he had some like paternity leave, they'd be out in the Porsche, wouldn't they? They'd be out in drives around the country. <laughs> but, you know, I think he would probably have liked a little bit shared out, but I'm selfishly I'm glad that I got it all to myself yeah really interesting now I have been fascinated hearing about motherhood um but going back to you know that big year that you did doing a law degree was massive you're obviously a really smart cookie who had already got a really busy career and a really successful career was this something that was always like sort of niggling in the back of your mind that you could do a little bit more? Well, it's funny you should say that because since having Toby, I've completely changed how I feel about my career and about everything. So I think pre-Toby, I thought, right, I'm ready. I can do this. You know, I'm a civil servant, blah, blah, blah. I work with loads of lawyers. And I think I thought I can be a lawyer. Of course I can. So um, I had to convert my degree into a law degree, um, which was the GDL, which is what I did. So I now have two degrees. Um, And then another thing that I forgot to add to the list was I also applied and had to interview and was successful for an LPC, which is the next stage of legal training. And that was due to start September last year. And so my plan was, obviously, I was going to have Toby and then on my maternity leave, I was going to start my LPC, train for two years. And that's the next stage of, of my law career. And then when I had him, I just thought, no, I don't want to waste that time because it's like 36 hours a week study, which is what I had to do before. And I I just didn't want those 36 hours not to be with Toby. So for now, I've actually put it on pause for a little bit. And I think maybe in a few years, I might feel the same that I want to carry on and I want to push myself to be a lawyer because I can do it. I know I can do it. But I just think at the moment, I really don't want to take that time away from being a mum. So I've kind of put it on pause, I think, at the moment. I think this is a really good example of fire and forte, because being a woman who can make her own mind up or knows her priorities. Priorities change, don't they? You know, of course it changes. It changes as we get older, as we do different things. One thing that we thought we might want, you know, one day we might not want it anymore. And, And you're right. We can make that decision for ourselves, can't we? I mean, I still have got visions of you being an absolutely brilliant lawyer. Do you think that maybe later in your 40s, would you pick that back up again? And do you think it would mean as much to you as it did when you were studying it a few years ago? Yeah, I mean, I could. I'd have to apply again. But obviously, you know, I've got as much chance of playing again as I did before. So it might be something that I take up. I think maybe when he goes back to school and in like in a few years and I've got more time, I might pick it up. But at the moment, I'm applying for different jobs because it's made me really reevaluate what I want to do work-wise. And the law route is something I might pick up in a few years, but I think it'd probably mean more doing it in my my mid-40s than it did in my late 30s. Just because pressures change, everything, you know, life gets busy, doesn't it? So doing it at any stage is quite an achievement, I think. Can you imagine if in like nine years' time we're saying, right, so, you know, at your 50th birthday... (laughs) 
It'll be f- fire and 50. I'm doing this again. So when you turned 50, you did a lot of uh, the LPC. You've, you've opened your own uh, law practice. You've become a grandmother. In fact, let's not rush the na- next nine years. Because... No, in fact, let's aim higher. At 50, I'll be prime minister. Come on. Okay, right. You've said, you've heard this first. Let's talk about love and finding love. I don't know, second time, third time round, actually getting married at 40. Were you someone that always wanted to get married? Yes. And I guess the older you get, you think it won't happen. But, you know, people get married at any age, don't they? First time, second time, third time. But yeah, I did. I always wanted to get married. And then it was a rule that I set with Pete that when we started IVF, I said I wanted to be married before we have a baby. I'm really interested in marriage at 40 versus what we think it'll be like when we're under a bit of pressure in our 20s to get married. So in your 30s, did you relinquish that pressure? Did you just think it's not going to happen? Or did you go to weddings and kind of think, oh, I wish I was married? Yeah, I never thought it would happen. Like all my friends were married and, you know, they'd all been together like quite some time. And over the years, they all got married. And to be honest, what I really wanted was the hender. Being married is no different to not being married. I think that's the reality of it. Now that I've got married, I really like being married. So um, any lessons to how to make a relationship successful that you've learned over the years? Oh, gosh. I mean, over the years, every woman will know this. You learn what you don't want, don't you? Every failed relationship, you're like, right, cross that off the list. Don't need that. I actually think that when you fall in love, it happens when you're not really expecting it. And with the person you're not really expecting it, to be with like on paper I knew what I wanted um, and Pete is not what I wanted on paper at all and we laugh about it all the time like I would have never chosen him and his attributes ever but he's the person that I fell in love with and I think you know it happens when you're not expecting it like that doesn't it and that's that's maybe when it works because you don't have such expectations because he isn't you know the lawyer or, or whatever wearing his suit because Pete wears trackies 24-7. And I love that about him because I love him, but that isn't what I ever wanted on paper. Absolutely. And you might need a few like heartbreaks, but you really don't want the drama and it can waste so much time. Yeah. Obviously, I think most people want to meet someone, but I think if you try and rush it, that's when you get let down, don't you? It's, you know, when you look for the one, you never find the one. They come to you. What about friends then, in terms of what your friends mean to you? In England, obviously, I've got a group of mates and we've all been friends since in primary school. So, like, I've known most of them since they were, like, five. And so we're all still in the same group of friends. And we're all at a similar stage. I think most of us are married, except for maybe one, and most of us have got children. Um, And we still see each other quite a lot. And funnily enough, out of the group, I think there's five of us that have done IVF, which for me was really yeah. helpful. I was the last one of the group. So I now kind of already knew what was to come and had like, you know, a lot of help from people and advice and everything. Um, and then I do have other friends as well. Like, have you? You've moved to the other side of the world. Well, um, we're yeah. going to that. We'll just, yeah, we'll leave that there. But um, yeah, my friends mean everything to me. Obviously, I love my friends to bits. And I think, you know, everyone needs best friends, don't they? And people that they can ring and need friends that don't judge you, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No judgment. Good laughs. And I I love what you said about you had five mates going through IBF at the same time. That support must have been invaluable to get you through something like that. Yeah. And you know what? We've all ended up with babies, like all of us. It it worked for all of us. And I think that's what I thought 
when I started my IVF journey that like with all my friends it worked and some of them it took them years and rounds and rounds and rounds but it works and so you know if you're willing to stick it out then it's it's bloody hard work but you know IVF in general does work and I think that's what I had in my head when I started it I was quite positive about everything working um, which I think is a good mindset to go in with, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing so much because, you know, there is a tribe of women in their 40s who are at so many different stages. Sometimes you're at your absolute best and then sometimes you might feel a bit lost, but you've got everything to play for. I think the one thing that you need to think is that it's never too late, really. I think when you get to like 35, you think, oh my God, it's it's too late. It's not too late. God, I didn't even start IVF till 30, 38. Um, I'm 41 now with, with a baby, but my group of friends are the same. We're all in our 40s and we've all got babies. Like it isn't too late. And I do think that as people get older, you realise it's not too late, don't you? You know, it's just the start, really. I mean, that's going to go down as your quote, I think. It's just the start. <laughs> I mean, we talked about Fire and Forte before. And before you had Toby, I just could see this like determination in your career because you've always been really smart. And I think there's this quiet determination as opposed to a really brash one that's like career, career, career. But I think I, it's it's so lovely to hear this genuine love, passion, and, you know, saying, I love being a mum. It's really nice to hear what it's like later on in life. And there's tiring bits, but there's so many good bits. And the fact that you've done all of that in terms of forte, that's about strength. So I'm going to say that you are just an incredibly strong person because you went through all of that. I think it's always quite surprising to see when you look back at what you've been through, actually, that you went through all of that, isn't it? To go, oh my God, that was a crazy year. 2021, crazy year. And actually now when I think back and when I list all them things, I can't believe I actually managed to get through it all without exploding. That is quite a lot to get through. So yeah, I don't want to repeat that year again. Never again. I think you're always stronger than you realize that you are. And finally, your advice to, I was going to say yourself when you were 20, but given that you've got a daughter that's approaching 20, what advice would yeah. you give? What advice would you give to her about life in general from your experience? Yeah. I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because especially seeing her, you really like care about what people think about you when you're younger, don't you? And it really matters, you know, how you look and everything. And I think as you get older, you realize that that doesn't actually matter that much, you know. Um, what people think about you, especially people that don't really know you. Um, I'm just really glad that when we were younger, we didn't have, you know, all this social media because it's really hard for kids growing up now. It's really hard for my daughter at her age because there's so much pressure to like look good and like, you know, be on all these social media platforms and everything. And so I, I think I do try and advise her and just, you know, don't take it so seriously. It's not real. None of this is real. Just be you. And like, she's a really strong person and she is, you know, she's gone through a few years of difficulty, but she is like really strong now as she's entering adulthood. She's a really strong and independent woman nearly. And I'm really proud of her. And I think so my advice to me at her age is exactly the same as that, what I give her. And so the social media advice is none of it's real. Yeah, it's not real. What you see isn't real, isn't it? None of it's real. 
very simple, good advice. I think we all just need to remember that. It's a bit of entertainment looking at someone else's life. But they're not real. And they even admit that it's not real. It's all, it's for Instagram, isn't it? So, you know, when there's been times, obviously, over the last year when I've sat in my pyjamas and I haven't got anything done. And I'm like, God, you know, you see all these mothers on Instagram cooking a home-cooked meal. None of it's really real. It's for Instagram. And I think it's good to always remember that. Everyone's in the same boat as you, really. That's so good. But also don't reveal the truth. If you put a story up that makes your life look perfect, it's like, let me have a day. All right. Let me just have a moment (laughs) where it looks. Let me just have a perfect moment. Everyone deserves that. Sarah Adenall Reddin, full prime minister. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And we can't wait to see your success and to see Toby. Thank you for your time and all the very best. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you.